We're going to talk tonight about uh, this night, which is the night in which Jesus, with his disciples, spent time around a table eating. And then Jesus performed an act that we're all familiar with. And it's in that act that we understand Jesus' purpose. And John tells us about it. He's the only gospel writer that does. And it's clear that he's had time to think about what Jesus has done. And so we begin in John chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to his Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from the supper, laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not now understand, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has been bathed does not need to wash except his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not one, every one of you he knew was who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I've done to you. For years, Roy Smith was the principal editor of a major metropolitan newspaper in the South. But he didn't grow up in the South. He grew up in Kansas, Nickerson, Kansas, farm town. And he says one of his most vivid memories was the day he heard that his father was injured at the mill. He said, I was sitting there taking a test when somebody came in and said, you need to go quickly to the mill, your dad is hurt. So I jumped up from the desk, I ran out of the room, and I ran down the street. And I passed by a house where an old man was sitting on his porch, rocking in his rocking chair, and he said, 
No use running, kid. He's gone. And sure enough, when I got to the mill, he was gone. I never saw him again. He said my dad was well-known all over town, and they closed almost all the businesses in town the day of his memorial service. He said, I really don't remember what happened that day. Hundreds of people came, a, a preacher preached, and we sang, but I don't remember any of it. It's all a blur. But what I do remember is the day after the memorial service when my younger brother and I were given the dubious distinction of going to the mill and cleaning out our dad's locker. When we got to his locker, we opened it and we saw tools. Next to the tools was a coat and some work pants. And then I happened to look down at the bottom of the locker and there were the shoes that he was wearing the day he died. The ambulance drivers took his shoes off and put them in the locker when he was being taken to the hospital. And so naturally I bent down to pick up his shoes and when I did I could see through them. There on the bottom of both of the shoes were these huge gaping holes in the soles. Now we didn't have much money. But at that moment, it hit me. Dad had taken me to buy shoes last week. He bought shoes for me while he continued to work on a hard cement floor for 12 hours a day in his stocking feet. This may sound strange, but even though it happened 50 years ago, every time I think of my father, I think of his feet. You know, John would understand that. He's writing 30 years after the cross. And it seems that all that he wants to talk about in chapter 12 and 13 is feet. In chapter 12, he says Jesus and his disciples are at a dinner party about two miles from Jerusalem. And a woman who lives there named Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Martha, she comes in. And while they're eating, she bows down and kneels at Jesus' feet and breaks open a pound of expensive ointment and pours it on Jesus' feet and then wipes his feet with her hair. Now in Jesus' day, a woman's hair was her glory. That's why in antiquity, no woman had a shaved head unless she was dishonorable. That's why the law required that a woman wear a headdress, especially if there's no hair, because the hair of a woman was her glory. So what John is telling us is Mary not only broke open this expensive ointment and poured it on Jesus' feet and gave him love and honor, but she laid down her glory for him. I mean, think of it. She's willing to pay the cost of the ointment. She's willing to pay the cost of the criticism. 
she's willing to pay almost any cost to prepare him for his walk. Now that's chapter 12. And yet in chapter 13, John says, Jesus, after they had eaten, he rises from the table, takes a basin of water, and kneels at the feet of his disciples. He washes them. And over the last century, there have been denominations that have celebrated Jesus' act that night. In fact, on this very night, Thursday night, Monday, Thursday, meaning new commandment, these denominations will have a dinner, normally spaghetti, and then they'll wash each other's feet. But would it surprise you to know that John would never have imagined that? Because his purpose in telling us all the detail in John chapter 13, 1 to 15, is not so that Jesus will give us a model to emulate, but so that Jesus will give us a picture of everything he's going to do tomorrow. In fact, as John looks back over the years, he comes to understand that what Jesus is doing on Thursday is directly related to what he'll do on Friday. Just as Mary comes to prepare the feet of Jesus for his death, Jesus comes to our feet tonight to prepare us to understand everything that his death means. I mean, listen to what John says. As, he, as the evening meal was being served, Jesus gets up from the table, lays aside his garments, wraps a towel around his waist, pours water into a basin, kneels down, and washes their feet. Now, there are three words that John uses that are key to understanding what Jesus is doing. In fact, I would submit to you that if you get a grasp of the meaning of these three words, you will have a deeper understanding of what Jesus does on the cross. So let's dig in. First of all, notice the words laid aside, verse 4. He laid aside his outer garments. Now that's one word in Greek. And Jesus uses that one word five times in chapter 10. In chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life or lays aside his life for his sheep. Now the word good there is kaleo, from which we get the word kaleidoscope. It means beautiful. And what he's saying is the beautiful shepherd is the one who lays down his life for his sheep. He's not talking about being an example. He's not talking about being one of many shepherds. What he's saying is, I am the beautiful shepherd, and the beautiful shepherd lays aside his life for his sheep. You see, he's going to tell us, he's telling us what he's going to do. He's going to go to Gethsemane and lay aside his will. He's going to go before Caiaphas and Pilate and lay aside any argument in defense of himself. 
He is going to go before those who will spit upon him and beat him and scourge him and say nothing. And then he's going to go out to the town garbage heap, the place of the skull, and he's going to lay himself down. In other words, everything he is going to do, this beautiful shepherd, is summarized in this one word, to lay aside. Later in the chapter, Jesus says, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. A few verses later, he says, the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Then two verses later, he says, the Father loves me because I lay down my life and I take it up again. No one takes it from me, I lay it down of my accord. Do you see what he's saying? Five times in the space of eight verses, Jesus uses this one word, which is translated in English, laid aside. What he's, got, he's saying is, I'm laying myself down for you. Five times I'm going to lay down. I'm going to tell you I'm laying down my dignity. Five times I'm laying down my rights and privileges. Five times I'm going to lay down all my need for wholeness. Five times I'm telling you I'm laying aside myself for the sake of others. And John knows what five means. It means pure grace. So when John says Jesus lays aside his garments, he knows why. He knows that Jesus will lay aside everything that he treasures so that he might give us pure, unadulterated grace. Second, the second word that you need to know is feet. John uses the word feet seven times in this chapter. Have you read the Bible enough to know that feet symbolize our walk in the world? They symbolize where we walk, what we do, how we live. In Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. They had fellowship, they had a relationship. Adam and Eve walked in step with God. Centuries later, the Bible says Enoch walked with God and was no more. God took him out of this world. Centuries later, the Bible says that Abraham walked with the Lord. In fact, the Lord had said to him, walk before me and be perfect. All through the Bible, our feet symbolize our walk. That's why when Jesus called his disciples, he said, come and follow me. In other words, come and walk with me. So when Mary walks in to that banquet table in Bethany and kneels at Jesus' feet, she's anointing his feet for the walk he will make in the coming hours. She is setting aside his feet to walk to a place where none of us could ever go. One time, Noel Coward sent the same note to 20 of the most prominent people in London, and the note was simply this, all is discovered, escape when you can. And all 20 packed their bags and left town. <laughs> if somebody sent that to you, 
all is discovered, escape while you can. Wouldn't you be tempted to escape? You see, our problem is not self-image. Our problem is not a hurting heart. Our problem is much deeper than that. Our problem is a desire to walk in our own way. It's a desire to follow our own passions, desire to follow our own pleasures. We've been talking about that on Sunday for the past four months as we study the book of James. So what's Jesus doing? Why is he kneeling at his disciples' feet? Why does he kneel at our feet? I mean, think of this. The only one in the room who had a pure walk is willing to get as close as he can to our feet. He lays aside his garments. He lays aside all of his self-interest to wash our feet. No wonder he says to Peter, unless I wash you, you can have no part in me. You know what that word share or part means, literally? It's used in the Old Testament in Hebrew. It's used in the New Testament Greek. It literally means the heritage that God promises to his people. And what Jesus is saying is, Peter, unless I wash you, you will never receive the gift my Father has decreed that you receive. I am here at your feet. Having washed your entire body so that you may receive the heritage my Father has sent me to give you. Now think of this. All over the world, there are millions of people that think there are many ways to God. Last week, I heard a man say that. All religion says the same thing. You know who wouldn't believe that? John. John's not buying that because he understands the cross. No gospel writer is clearer on the cross than John. John knows that we can't come to God on our own. John knows that we're, none of us are good enough. He knows that unless Jesus washes us, we can never have a share in his inheritance. The final word is end. Listen to what John says in verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So you have lay aside, you have feet, and you have end. And the question I ask is this, what does end mean? What does it mean? He loved us to the end. Some people say that means that Jesus loved us to the end of his life. In other words, he was faithful to the Father all the way through his life. He loved us to the end of his life when he said, it is finished, and he breathed his last. I don't think that's the end John's talking about. Some people say, oh, he means he loves us to the end of our lives. I don't think that's what John's talking about. 
There's another end that's far more significant than the end of Jesus, 33 years, or your number of years. What John is saying is Jesus loves us to the end of his knowledge of us. I mean, think about what that means. He knows that sitting there at that table is Peter, who will deny him three times. He knows Thomas will doubt him. He knows that Philip will misunderstand him. He knows that every one of those men in that room will desert him. But he loves them to the end. He loves us to the end of our backsliding. He loves us to the end of our betrayal. He loves us to the end of our failures. He loves us to the end of our deepest sin. He loves us to the end of our deepest need. I mean, think of this. In chapter 10, Jesus says, if anyone, says that anyone the Father has given him will never be snatched from his hand. Think of your life right now. All the twists and turns. All the hearts you've broken. And all those who've broken your heart. Think of that brother that you hate. Think of that sister who has sullied your reputation. Think of the one who's denied you. Think of all those you've denied. Think of the load of your guilt and your shame. Think of the one who says, I've run so far away from Jesus, there's no chance that he will ever take me back. John says that's a lie. He laid aside his garments. to give you every assurance that you're His. He loves you to the end. Roy Smith said it may sound funny, but after 50 years, whenever I think of my dad, I think of his feet. Married, understand that. Do you think she ever forgot that night and how her hair felt. John, he'd understand it. How about you? Every religion is the same, please. There's only one God who went to the cross to prove to you that he loves you to the end. Somebody said, you've got to get really down low to wash feet. 
You know what else? You really have to get down low to know what it means to be loved all the way to the end. That's the meaning of this night.